All right, everybody. Welcome to another episode of the Long Twos podcast. And uh, we got a fun one today. I have a guest who's never been on the pod, and we're going to talk about something different, uh, not just basketball. We're going to talk movies and maybe some, some stuff other than that. We'll see where it all goes. Uh, on the pod today, Burton Chowla, head of sports partnerships for Lineage Digital. He's the executive producer for Vince Carter Legacy, the new doc about Vince Carter and his final season and his career that you might have uh, heard about, seen the buzz on Twitter. I was watching it this week. And uh, I wanted Burton to come on. I mean, a lot of things I want to get into. Obviously, we'll talk about the VC doc. I want to learn more about that. Uh, talk about you and your career and basketball and all that stuff. But uh, first, I, I want to start with the doc. And, and you can plug away as much as you want. Um, how did this thing come about? Like, how did VC, how do we get into a documentary about his career, his final season? Like, you got access there. You were riding with him. Like, what was the genesis of this whole thing? Uh, thanks for having me on, first of all. I guess second of all, let me let me self-plug. Free, free, <laughs> free on Crackle. So all you listeners, um, check Get that out. out the way. Yeah, it's free on Crackle. I got I to gotta do all my partners. Uh, I got to do right by all my partners. Um, <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's actually, it's an interesting story. And, you know, I've been involved with a few sports movies, mostly basketball. And, and, and they all have different stories. They all have, diff- like every story, it has a different beginning, a, a different middle, a different end. This one was a combination of things. This was summer of 2019. I want to say June of 2019. Um, the NBPA, the union, uh, which has a for-profit arm called Think 450, they were a client of mine at the time. And, and when I say that, Lineage Digital, which is a company I work for, we were the content studio for them. So our, our role was to ideate good concepts, um, content concepts, sell those concepts either to they make those concepts. So they're a client of mine. We're always pitching ideas. At the same time, uh, Vince Carter's manager um, at the time, who is uh, hyper um, incompetent, like just not good at his job, he had reached out to me um, about Vince and said, I know that you've brokered a lot of Chinese sneaker deals. Is there a chance that you could help me potentially broker a Chinese sneaker deal for Vince? He's going into his final year and we haven't signed our Nike deal yet. And I don't know if we're going to sign our Nike deal. And they wanted to, they wanted to, you know, Vince knew going into it that he wanted to finish his career as a Nike athlete, right? It had Mm. gone, he had been with multiple brands for a long time, you know, throughout his 22 years, but it, you know, it had gone really well with Nike and he wanted to finish it that way, but they didn't have the offer. Um, So he thought, Hey, maybe a Chinese brand would be interested. Maybe a Chinese brand um, could help maybe, you know, get Nike on board. Uh, so, so to give you a little background on the Chinese and, and, and my experience, I did Kevin Love's deal uh, with, with a Chinese brand called 361 back in 2010. Um, I did Dwayne Wade's deal in 2012 with Li Ning. Um, and I've done several deals since then, including Aaron Gordon's deal in, in 2019. So I have a, a good relationship with different brands in, in China. And um, I oftentimes get um, asked to have conversations. And, and right now I'm actually having two conversations with two NBA players and, and their reps. And hopefully we get deals done in the next month or so. So he comes to me with this idea. I bring it to two different brands in China. They say, cool, Vince is cool, but the only way we want to come on board is if we could maybe do a, uh, some content around his career, do some content around his final year, because they got to hype up his sort of uh, presence in China. So 
I bring this to the PA and I said, Hey, can we do a final season doc around Vince? And they said, this is great. We love Vince. He's obviously a member. Uh, their whole role is to put money in guys' pockets and, and do content around them. So the PA was on board. Uh, eventually he signs his Nike deal. Nike was on board. Now I got to get Vince on board. Right. Um, as great as the, the, the Carter effect was, and I liked that movie, Vince was not a part of that. Right. So this one is with two of his biggest partners, the union and his sneaker uh, partner. And can I get him on board to really sit down and give us uh, peel the onion back and give us everything that happened over the 22 years. So Vince, if you know Vince at all, he's not a self promoter. So it's not, it's not as easy as calling him up and being like, Vince, I got this doc for you and you're going to be an executive producer and you're going to have creative influence over it, which is all things I offer. Every athlete I work with, I want them to have control controls the wrong word i want them to have influence over how the story is told right we're in a we're in an era i know i know you work for the athletic but between um you know players tribune and every everyone else we're in an era where guys can control their own narrative or just social media right guys Kyrie goes on ig live and talks about it so i want to give guys as much influence as, as they can but that didn't sway vince money didn't sway vince ep title executive producer title didn't sway him influence didn't sway him PA being involved, Nike being involved. What swayed him was his mom. Like eventually the story goes, um, I couldn't convince him, uh, but he gave me sort of um, the answers to the test. He said, go talk to my mom. And, uh, and she's a big part of the movie too. She's a big part of the movie. She's you know, obviously a huge influence on his life. So um, his mom eventually convinced him that this was a le legacy project. Like, this is an opportunity to tell your story and do it with your partners and get your story out there because he's a first ballot hall of famer. And, you know, I'm sure his mom is really, really proud of him. So here's an opportunity for someone to get all of that out there. Cause again, he's from the old school where he doesn't self-promote. He doesn't own a media company like a lot of guys do, right? He's not out there self-producing his own film, his own biopic, none of that. Um, and it's all because he's not this guy that's like, look at me, look at me. Um, so convincing his mom convinced him to do it. Um, and, you know, I don't want to pat myself on the back. I thought it came out good with all of the hurdles we had to go through. So first, I was going to ask, did you guys do this through COVID? Like, yeah, exactly. Right. His final season is COVID. And, and, you know, there's a scene in the movie where, you know, he makes his, his final basket is that three against the Knicks. Right. Uh, it's the day the league shut down. Right. They, they go out of their way. Trey Young and the Hawks go out of their way to make sure that they get him a shot at it. He makes it. So, I'll, 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 before I get to the COVID thing, yeah, the, the reality of it is COVID was a huge factor in it. Um, shut down production, then we were shooting remote, and then it was like certain people we couldn't get in the movie because they had to follow certain NBA protocols, which was basically you can't shoot this, right? If it wasn't right. related to, to playing basketball, you can't shoot this. So I'll, I'll, before we get to COVID, so in December, we signed Vince. Um, I'll, I'll, let me backtrack. Uh, Vince telling me about his mom was this was in brooklyn hawks versus brooklyn um it's a very famous picture with kobe and Gigi sitting courtside in brooklyn it's that game mm. and i ended up like going to the locker room talking to vince getting vince to tell me call miss michelle his mom and that started that process so shortly after that we get vince signed he's an executive producer on it he's going to be a part of it all of that our first day of shooting is january 26 January 26th is Vince Carter's birthday. That's the first day we're going to start shooting Vince, right? We had we'd gone through maybe three weeks of pre-production. 
January 26, 2020 is also the day Kobe died. So we land in Atlanta on the day Kobe dies, right? We land to the news that Kobe had passed in the helicopter accident. Vince and Kobe are friends. Like they actually played on an AAU team together when they were in their teens. So they have known each other. And in a lot of ways, Kobe looked at Vince and Mac and probably Paul Pierce as his contemporaries, right? Like it was, you know, they're roughly all the same age as much as, you know, we all wish we got a Kobe LeBron finals. Um, they were really his contemporaries, including Vince, right? Like Vince has had an interesting uh, career, but like he was Kobe Bryant's contemporary and they were friends. Right. And, um, you know, Vince was oftentimes consulting Kobe about life after basketball. Uh, and Vince has said this out loud to me. So um, we land uh, to the news. Obviously we shut down production. We don't even like interview Vince that day. We don't go into production. It was not appropriate. Um, and we shut down for a couple of days because this, it was, as we all know, whether basketball fans are in the basketball world or part of the basketball community, it, am I allowed to curse on this? Of course. Yeah. It fucked us all up. Right. Like, um, the idea of a superhero dying. So, uh, we shut down for a few days. We finally got back to work. Um, we worked through all-star weekend. A lot of, uh, interviews were done in Chicago, um, all-star weekend, we go to Orlando after All-Star Weekend, shoot Vince in Orlando because he spent a lot of his off, off time in Orlando. He was playing for the Hawks, but a lot of his – he's got a home in Orlando. And then COVID hits. And we're shut down for six-plus months. Um, and then even, like I said, once in the process of COVID, there were NBA people who had said yes to this film. Yes, I will sit down. I love Vince. I want to talk about Vince. Who couldn't do it because of NBA rules, right? Mm-hmm. Like – it, they could do it, but it all had to be remote shooting. Literally, we would have to send a pack to, you know, Mark Cuban's a great example. Mark said yes to this. You know, obviously he played for the Mavericks. Um, Mark is good about his former players that he has a relationship with. Mark's like, send me a pack and I'll open it up and I'll self-film myself. And as, you know, we want Mark Cuban in the film, obviously. Right. We didn't do it. Uh, my, my head of production was like, we're not going to shoot that way. Let's Let's wait this thing out. And I think that's a lot of like, we want a certain quality to the film, but it's also, we didn't know what this thing was, right? Like, right. I think a lot of people thought summertime, it's going to be over, we'll be fine. Um, but then, you know, things started opening up again, you know, summer, fall um, 2020, and we started just moving forward with the film. And, and um, luckily we have a great team, another self-promotion and um, <laughs> shout out to my production team, Blake, Lori, and Katie. And um they made sure this thing happened. They made sure this thing happened in a timely fashion. It, this, you know, the thing that I'm learning quickly is there's, there's, a, there's an art to this, obviously, and I'm a creative person, um, but there's a business side of this. And the business side of this is we're on a timeline. There's a budget to make this film, and we're on a timeline to get that done. Because every day you don't get it done, you're burning through cash. So, you know, COVID really sort of sped up that timeline. You know, if, if, if this was an artistic thing and only an artistic thing, we could take our time on it, get it done the way we wanted to. But there are business contracts here, whether it's the PA being part of it, whether it's our contract with Vince, whether it's us as a production company. So um, that's what led to the timing of it getting done. But I think it came out great. Again, I don't want to self-promote too much or self-pat myself on the back, but Crackle's been a great partner as well. And 
Um, the film's doing really well in October, and uh, I don't know if that summarizes or, or answers your questions about the film. Does, but... I, now, I'm curious now, like, how do you get to the point? Like, how did you get to this point where you're EPing a movie? Like, how tell, take me through your career. Like, how are you getting to uh, my you know, January 2020? Yeah, my career is all fucked up. Um, I mean, I've done a lot of things in my career. I've worked for the Knicks in PR. I've uh, done production for ESPN. I worked at XL Sports doing endorsement deals. I helped create an all-star high school All-American game called Elite 24 back in 2007. And my my career in the last three years has evolved into content, maybe even predating uh, three years. Uh, about seven years ago, I guess it was, 2014, I started doing content with NBA players. I started, I've been working in the NBA world and the sports world since 1999, 2000, if you can believe it. My mm. first job was selling $5,000 page ads for Slam Magazine while I was still at NYU. Um, but how it evolved into content was in 2014. Um, if you remember Charlie Villanueva, he had just finished his last year in Detroit with the Pistons. And he was all fucked up. He had a bad run with the Pistons and he was about to turn 30. And he thought like, Hey, you know, this is it. Like, is my career over? Or am I going to have to fight for a job? And I remember uh, he calls me. I'm very, very close friends with him. I met him when he was uh, a client at Excel sports and I was selling endorsement deals and he calls me up and he says, Hey, I'm in Queens. He's from Queens, New York. And he said, come out here. We're at a hookah lounge. Let's hang out. Went out there. And I said, yo, bro, if you're willing to do things differently, Let's try something different. Let, like, let's document you getting a job in the NBA. You're about to turn 30. You had a bad run with Detroit. Are you going to still be in the league? Let's document it. And this is before Players Tribune came out or before Uninterrupted existed. And uh, we documented it. We literally documented it on cell phones, uh, Samsung cell phones. Samsung gave us some money, gave us some cell phones. He, him and his two brothers and I just documented them on cell phones and we self-edited it and we self-published it. And it went well. And that's when the light bulb went off that I can make a lot more money doing endorsement or sorry, doing content deals than anything else. So mm. when I do a Chinese sneaker deal and my role with the Chinese sneaker deals are to broker the deal. But when I do those deals, I make sure content is involved in it because now we live in a world of just constant content. Right. I mean, is that like that? That just seems like, uh, well, I understand it's like your line of work, but like it just seems tiring where everything is content, doesn't it? Yeah, I mean, it is tiring, right? It, it's tiring to do it. It's tiring to consume it. It's tiring to sift through it, see what's good, what's not. It's, but, um, I mean, you're a content creator, right? I know. Um, I'm tired right? of it. I'm, like, tired. I mean, like, not, like, tired as it done with it. I mean, like, fatiguing. Like, it's, yeah. you know, where world is content. Yeah, yeah. God. Um, sure. But I, I'm currently enjoying the ride. Um, and as tired as I get, hopefully I can work on good projects like the Vince one. And hopefully like I can make a little money fucking doing this thing. Right. And I mean, that's we're, we're all in this, all in this together and, and, and content, it has become like this bottomless pit, but if you can do good work and stuff that you love, um, I mean, look, you write for, you write for the athletic, right. You write and you covered the NBA and you covered the Knicks. I mean, there are, there's a lot worse things you could be doing. There's a lot. Oh, worse I'm not complaining. Yeah, me neither. So yeah, it is tiring, but it's good tiring, right? So, um, I enjoy it. I I enjoy the trajectory of where it's going. I am a little older, so I'm not interested in like one minute shows that is constantly <laughs> out there, right? I'd like to do, 
I'd like to do more stuff like Vince. I'd even like to break it up. I don't know if you saw Promised Land, um, Crackle, John Morant, six-part series. I think that's dope. I think, you know, everyone on NBA Twitter is talking about why can't we have a training camp, an HBO hard knocks thing of NBA. Like, I think that would be dope. Like, um, I think there are a lot, you know, you and I were talking before you press record about a couple of ideas I had. Like, cool, if I can get someone to buy those ideas, as tiring as it might get, it's dope to put them out there. And, you know, from an ego standpoint, fuck, man, I see my executive producer title on, on the big screen. I'm fucking thrilled, right? Like, that was um, the first one, right? Like, what was that? What was that like? That was my EP? first EP title. I've got an EP title for a film. I, you know, I'm going to EP on a couple of podcasts. Um, it felt great, uh, to be you honest. You got your I mean, own podcast. Yeah, I got my own podcast. I should plug that at some point on this show. Um, I mean, to answer your question, uh, actually, one, my title is actually co-executive producer, which I hated the co, but I accepted it as part of the business deal. But it felt great, man. I mean, I, I, I it's like everything, man. When, when you saw your first byline, I'm sure you were like, this oh, is yeah, dope, right. This is dope. And when you got a byline on a story that you're really proud of or, you know, you know, maybe I don't want to speak for you, but maybe when you transitioned to the athletic and you were like, this is the company I want to be at, like, it's dope, man. I mean, we all have ego. I, I try to check mine as much as possible, but uh, to see it on the big screen and, and, and more so to see my friends and some family members and some people in the industry screenshot it and then text it to me, that was fucking dope. I mean, I had a couple of friends just like screenshot it and be like, yo, I'm proud of you. So um, yeah, it felt good, man. It, it felt really, really good. Um, I am kind of crazy. I mean, I think if you ask our mutual friends and you and I have a lot of mutual friends between us, I'm kind of crazy, but um, I'm like everybody else in the sense that like, I care about the work. And then sometimes I want to be patted on the back and see, you know, executive producer title on the screen. What was the most fun part of filming the uh, the movie, the documentary? The most fun? Because when you talk about all yeah. the lows, what's the high? So, I mean, just to clarify, I'm not the creative. I don't hold a camera. I don't set the lighting. Yeah, yeah I know. Um, what is the most doesn't mean you can't have fun on it no no I always I, I try to right my um, the most fun it's a good question I'll, I'll tell two stories I'll tell one that I think is funny but um, also answering your question about most fun I think the most fun I had uh, throughout this process was probably all-star weekend we set up a little suite in Chicago and um we had a bunch of people just rotate in and be interviewed for the film, whether it was Howard Beck, who was working at Bleacher Report at the time, or, or Rick Buecher, who's all over the film, or, or um, Jeff Silgett, um, or, or Vince's childhood friend. Like, we had a bunch of people just come in, and we owned the suite for the weekend. And for me, the most fun is really getting to know the production team, really getting to know the directors, the production assistants, the producers. The producers and I have a good relationship because we work together closely on other projects but i don't know the team all of the teams that we hire all the time and i'm not on set every time it's just not my role in this my role is more make the deal make sure it happens make sure that the pa is happy make sure craft is happy make sure vince is happy um so being on set for three days in a row although i don't want to do that every time uh, i'm involved in the film doing it getting to know like the people behind the people and the people grinding it out I thought it was dope. And I, you know, I, I was a production assistant for various events for ESPN in my early twenties and brought me back to those days, like just being a PA and, 
um, doing the grunt work and, and again, like knowing that I'm part of something bigger than me and seeing it, I know that's corny as fuck and I'm not trying to be corny. Uh, maybe it's Friday and that's why I'm being corny, but like, um, just being a part of that, I'll tell you another story that's funny now, but not funny in the time that we're doing it. So December of 2020 pre-vaccine around Christmas, Alan Iverson says, yes, I'm going to do the film. But Alan says, you got to come to this hotel because it's less than two miles from my house. <laughs> this is the day I can do it. And it's over Christmas, December 2020, pre-vaccine. I ha had not been on a flight um, since the pandemic started. So they send me to um, Charlotte. And I forgot the name of the town that we were going to interview him in. I go to Charlotte over Christmas. I go to this hotel. I post up in the hotel with... Uh, a camera guy and a lighting guy. We're there for three days. And Alan never shows up. He's I get there, right? First day set up. He's supposed to show up the next day. Doesn't show up. He's texting me, yeah, I'm on my way, I'm on my way. Doesn't show up. So he says, I'll come tomorrow. So I stay another day. Doesn't show up. Literally. Texting me, I'm on my way. But never shows up. I was a little annoyed in that moment. But we ended up getting up to the film, and now I think it's funny that, like, you know, he had me go to Charlotte over Christmas and stay in a hotel and um, never showed up. I did become a martini guy that weekend, though. That's the yeah. I never got into martinis. I don't. Know, I always go old fashioned if I'm at a if I'm need. It's a new thing for me. It's a new thing for me. Martinis. Um, it was that couple of days in Charlotte that's that triggered it for me. I like it. I like it. it's light. It's much lighter than an old fashioned. Like old fashioned to me is like having two of those are hard. Having two martinis yeah. really easy. Having three martinis, the wild man's gonna come out. So so don't ever let me get the three. <laughs> All right. So I mean, it seems like you've had a bit of a, and I I feel like this is the case for a lot of people. It's like there's no like linear path sure. to where you are now, right? Like I feel like few people sure. are able to say, yeah, A B C D. I got here. Yeah. Um, what was the most fun? you've had in your life, in your life, in your working life. Is it now? Was it something else? Was it working at Excel? Was it working at? It definitely wasn't working at Excel. I could tell you that. The best, <laughs> the best thing that ever happened to me was getting fired. Was it brokering Chinese Chinese deals? Uh, Wait, why is the best thing that ever happened? It was getting fired. Um, I was just, I got my job at Excel when I was 27 years old. Um, and it was a small company then six people. And, you know, now it's a big company, 50 people. And, you know, they do more than basketball. When I worked there, it was just basketball. Um, you know, it wasn't the right fit for me, but at 27, if they tell you, you can work it for the, one of the biggest agents in the world. And you look at his client roster, you're like, this is a dope ass client roster, right? It's, it's, it's even deeper now, but back then in 2007, it was like Paul Pierce and Jason Kidd. And, you know, this is, and, and Lamar Odom and, um, you know, obviously Jeff Schwartz is a legend in this industry. Um, it just wasn't the right fit. And I think, and I said, and I mentor a lot of people that are in this industry and, and I think it's hard to find out who you really are in life, not just in business, but in life, but you got to spend the energy to do it. And then once you do it, you got to embrace it. And what wasn't for me was, this is the only way to do things, right? Jeff would be like, A, B, and C. You have to do it this way. Yeah. And that didn't work. At 27, I just wanted to work in basketball and work for a big agent and do endorsement deals for Paul Pierce. But 
that's it's always cooler on the outside than on the inside and then if it's not a fit it's not a fit and i didn't have the guts back then to quit because i'm like this is the job i want xl sports and whatever um so jeff firing me obviously hurt when he did it um but i i couldn't thank him enough not that we're friends but i wouldn't i couldn't thank him enough for firing me because it triggered other things for me i actually had a meeting yesterday with a person at Wasserman who just recently got let go by Wasserman and, and, and was an agent over there. And what I said to this person was, you don't see it now. It's the best thing that's ever happened. To you. Like, it's funny how that is. Right. Like I remember I, I quit a job I had, which was my first full-time job. And I, I was like, I loved it and everything, but it just happens how that frees you up and gets yeah. you to pursue better things. Yeah, you, sometimes I mean, you need the, the freedom to, to lose something. Yeah. And I hate this. I, I don't want to be small minded by, uh, doing this comparison, but it's like when you're dating the wrong girl, right? And like you just don't have the guts to break up with her, slash, you're comfortable. And then the minute she breaks up with you, it feels like freedom. And freedom feels good if you can pursue the right things in your life. So uh, that was the best thing that to happen to me. You said the most fun. Uh, I'm having a lot of fun now. Um, I'll speak very plainly because I have a boss who allows me to, to run with my ideas. I have a development deal that allows me to make my ideas. I'm making really, really good money. Um, and that's, I'm 42. So money matters, right? Like we are, we live in a capitalist society. I live in New York city in the West village, like money. Right? So in those ways, I'm, I'm having a lot of fun. I will say this though. I don't know. No one's ever asked me that question. Um, but I would say in the late, the mid to late 2000s, when I helped create elite 24, I, I used to work for a magazine called rise eventually was sold to ESPN. We created a, a high school, all American game called elite 24. Um, Kevin love participated in the first one, Brandon Jennings, Tyreek Evans, Lance Stevenson, et cetera. We actually did a documentary about it called gunning for that number one spot. Um, Adam Yauk, MCA, who passed away of the Beastie Boys. He was the director of that doc. That was my first credit in the doc. Um, in 2006, 2007, 2008, I helped create that game. The first game was in 2006. I was doing uh, game nights for the Knicks. I was 26 years old, living in the East Village. I was um, doing some part-time work for ESPN in production. My best friend, who um, I miss every day. Uh, with Stuart Scott, that was a really good time for me. Like, you know, being in your mid to late 20s, making good money, living in the East Village, being able to do a couple of different things, whether it was production or PR for the Knicks or uh, creating a high school or, or All-American game or, or selling ads for a magazine or selling branded content. I, I learned to develop a lot of different skills and I learned to make money. And then, you know, you're skinny and fucking hot in your 20s. So I don't know. I was all of those things, right? So um, I, I imagine that uh, that was a really good time for me. I imagine that was the quote unquote most fun. <laughs> um, I know you got to get going because you got a fancy dinner with some fancy people and you got to get drinks and all that. But I got lots I got of two red questions. wine. Lots of yeah, red yeah, wine. Yeah. Right, Mike, what, you and I will enjoy some red wine in New York. What, what's the red? I drink cabs. I can't do I Pinot like Noir. Cabs. I, I like cabs. I really, really like Pinot Noirs. I, I, I can do them all back. Um, but I'm, a, oh, nice. I'm still getting into red wines. So I can go deeper in beer with you, but uh, red wines is still, you know, educational for me. You gotta, you gotta just experience it. Trust me. That's sort of the common denominator with a lot of these NBA guys now. So, 
Um, easy to have a glass of red with uh, some NBA guys and, and get to know them. But uh, I do a variety of things. I like a full body. I'm a full body guy, but yeah. I won't drink a white. I will even in the summertime. I will not drink a white. No, I'm with you. I'm the same way. I'm the same way. Um, all right. So I got two questions for you. This is called the long twos pod. So here's the short twos questions. Okay. One, uh, where's your go-to restaurant? What's the spot you love to hit to eat? New York. Give me New York. Give me wherever. So New York, I'm going to say Lola on Prince and sixth Avenue is a go-to spot for me. A couple of months ago, I had a name drop. I had dinner there with Danny green of the Sixers um before he got married he was in town like getting his suit fitting and i said bro i got a spot for us um and then i also up the street from there i love me some charlie bird charlie bird is on sixth avenue as well they play a lot of hip-hop they got a great brand so you know i'm not a big fish guy but if i get the right fish i'm down um and then i'll throw a third one in there blue ribbon sushi uh big sushi guy almost every sunday night i eat at so fuck, I okay. probably shouldn't be telling where I'm at. I was gonna but, say now people can find you if they got a show they want to get made. Yeah, right. <laughs> All right, I what's what what's uh what's the thing you binged uh during the pandemic? Show, books, comics, music, like what's the thing you you went in on? Um, so a couple of things. Uh during the pandemic, you mean when it first started, 2020, right? Like not since, right? When we can go I, I don't mean hell at this point, we can define it how you okay, want. Okay, so I'm way behind. So I'm gonna say. From a show perspective, way behind, years behind, uh, Game of Thrones. Like I literally started watching Game of Thrones. I still haven't seen it. Still haven't seen it. It's actually excellent. I would say it's not as good as the hype was around it, but not nearly as bad as the end. You know, I think there was a lot of chatter about the end. Yeah, all I saw was Twitter was people freaking out about how it ended, and it kind of makes me not want to see it. I I I would encourage you to see it. I thought I thought it was excellent. Um, again, not as great as everyone had it, and not nearly as low as everyone had it. But I thought it was excellent, easily bingeable couple of other things. God, I'm going to give a shout out to a comedian that, you know, I don't even like, there's no other reason other than I enjoyed his stuff. He did a bunch of stuff on TikTok that I like. Nimesh Patel. I thought it was hilarious. Like not because he's Indian. I'm Indian, not because he's Indian. I just thought his stuff was funny. And then the other thing, the embarrassing thing was the fact that I was even on TikTok. I downloaded TikTok when the pandemic first started and I was all over TikTok doing like practicing these dances um, that all of these people on TikTok are doing. So that was <laughs> I have since deleted the app, but um, I was on TikTok a lot when the pandemic first started. Well, when I say like content is tiring, it's like I can do Twitter. I maybe can do Instagram sometimes. I just, I don't have space in my life for TikTok. I just, That's I don't, the right answer, I don't have right. it in me. I'm with you a hundred percent. The same goes for Instagram. Uh, I will, I will, have to promote my podcast at some point before I hang up with you, but like, I'm with you. I don't, this is too much. Even like, and I love NBA Twitter so much. I think people are so funny on it. I don't get involved in the trolling or the back and forth argument or, or I hate when people just throw out name call. I hate the name calling, but like NBA Twitter is really funny. Yeah, it can get there. And and there's so many, there's so many creative people on it that like are just fans don't work in the industry like you and I, and they're funny and they're cool. And so I can appreciate that, but yeah, I, I'm trying to limit the social media stuff. I'm trying, I'm just trying to be, I know it's getting corny. I'm not trying to be corny on your show, but like presence, right? I'm about to have dinner with some coworkers to celebrate the, the quote unquote good job we did on Vince. Like just be present. Why do I got to look at my phone? Right? Like, um, so 
Yeah, I'm with you on all of that. Can I can I self promote, self plug my? Pod? I was about to say, let, let's end the pod there. Go promote your own pod, and then go get some a couple glass of red wine. So uh, you can find me on Twitter at b chawla b c h a w l a. You can find my podcast, which is called the Black Box Podcast. It's a sort of um, sport business of sports, music, media, entertainment. Um, you can find it on Twitter at Black Box Pod. You can find it on Instagram at the Black Box Pod. I don't know. Support me. Follow me. There's not many followers. I don't have a social media strategy other than fucking support me, right? So anyway. <laughs> we'll see if this helps at all. If not, um, you'll come back on the pod. We'll talk about business and sports a little more. I mean, here, here, here's what I think, man. Honestly, I, you gotta you gotta promote, right? I'm I'm starting to learn to to part of the reason why I wanted to. Do oh, I hate self promotion. I, I don't. Me too. I hate it. I hate it. Well, part of the reason I wanted to do this pod with you is like, you know, elevate my profile a little bit to promote. But the reality is this. I'm going to just focus on the work. Uh, they say good content is king. I say great content is emperor. Um, just focus. Just do dope shit. Right. Just do dope shit, whether it's the stuff that you're writing or the pod that you're doing or the pod that I'm doing or the next fucking follow doc I do. Like, just do dope shit. and People will follow or not follow. It's all good. You know? Um, yeah. Just so, do dope shit. That seems like a good place to end it. I know. So uh, maybe that's the name of, <laughs> name, name of this episode. But Mike, I appreciate it. Man. Uh, thanks for doing this, Brian. I appreciate it, man. Okay, man. I know you're busy, dude. I know Everybody you're a busy, dude. Eh, eh, it's just the kids. <laughs> the kids keep me busy. The work stuff I can handle. <laughs> Everybody, listen. Uh, thanks for listening to an episode of the Long Twos podcast. Keep listening. Keep reading The Athletic. Uh, keep following along. Follow Burton on Twitter. Listen to his podcast. Check out the movie. Catch you guys next time.